You're in the information age, but facts are in short supply. Reject the noise, ask bold questions, and pursue the truth with FBI whistleblowers and founding suspendables, Garrett O'Boyle and Steve Friend. This is the American Radicals Podcast. It is the American Radicals Podcast. Today is Tuesday. It's noontime, and we are ready to go. We have a loaded show today. We have lots of information to bring you. I'm excited to talk about it. We're calling this show The Other Half, and it's sort of a double entendre. The other half being, well, the other half of the conversation that Garrett and I had on Saturday about the, uh, the living standard, the decline that we're all experiencing, and, and maybe the ramifications of that, not just in our pocketbooks, but uh, societally and psychologically and emotionally. We want to talk about that. And and also the other half being, the, we're the other half on the other side of the tracks. What are the ruling elite doing? Uh, what sort of hurdles are they throwing administratively, bureaucratically in front of us that is uh, sort of putting us on the wrong side of the tracks and, and it's it puts us into the, uh, the Louis Zamperini unbroken position where we have to hold a giant log over our shoulders for an extended period of time and how much longer can we all sort of shoulder that burden. Uh, we're going to get to it all. I want to uh, make sure we get Garrett on here. Uh, good to see him today. Uh, it's been a couple of days since I saw you, buddy, but uh, how are you? I am doing just fine. It looks like Rumble just went down as we started to go live, but uh, hey, this will be forever uh, ensconced in the ether. So hopefully people are listening somewhere, somehow, which includes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, all your favorite places you can find us now as well. But for those of you who have found us somewhere else, like our Twitter stream or, or something like that, we welcome you. Um, hopefully Rumble will go back up and we can hop in the live chat as, as well. But um, yeah, we're heading, inching even closer to Christmas and I love Christmas time, and this year, as we've talked about before, is a little different than last year in a good way. We're we're digging out, so we're doing we're doing all right. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah, I'm ready. This is this this lost week. The next two weeks, I think people are kind of just in this fog, uh, and they they don't know if they're going to work hard or if they're going to take the time off. Uh, but I think our pledge last time was we're just going to continue to put out yes. new content. People might not be able to find us on Rumble right now, but maybe in the future uh, they will. This will be memorialized. When you go to Rumble, make sure that you follow the show. You give us a thumbs up. If you're going to follow us on iTunes or any of those other streaming services, give us a top uh, five-star review that you can. Uh, and even if you don't like us that much, make sure you give us five stars because <laughs> I think that uh, that would be appreciated, especially from the algorithms. And speaking of Christmas, because we have so much to get to, I want to make sure that we get our, our, our ad read out of the way here uh, first. And it's very appropriate for Christmas. Uh, it's come up in the last few minutes here. We'll make sure everybody has a chance to take advantage of a promo code that we were just given by MyPillow, and that is the promo code AMRAD, A-M-R-A-D. And you can look at some of the specials that are out there today. Uh, take advantage of it. These uh, these slippers, I know that they've gone down from like 140 bucks to 50 so it's a significant discount. Uh, I tried just to test our AMRAD uh, promo code on the MyPillow 2.0. Uh, you can see that uh, you get 50% off there. So some good deals there. And, and uh, if, if you're like me and you're not going to see family on Christmas Day, but maybe uh, the week or so after that, 
pretty good. Get the, get that shipped to you. And then the uh, in-laws or the parents are never the wiser that you were belated on your holiday shopping. So, and you can support the show uh, with that Amred podcast. Hey, looks like we are back on Rumble. I just tried it again, and the, the chat is alive and well, as is the page as a whole. So that's good. Outstanding. Just in time to get the content that we want to get to today uh, loaded. I'm going to be struggling to get it all in here. I don't want to give you a marathon episode. We're not uh, at that point of trust yet. We want to make sure it's clean and concise, and then you can all go about your afternoon here. Uh, so First story I want to bring to our attention in keeping with this theme of the other half and, and the uh, we have this ruling elite that has set up these hurdles in front of us all. Uh, and uh, I think that the, the main mechanism that we're seeing or one of the main mechanisms is with this climate agenda that we're having here. And, and you're going to see a few stories here that are very hard on, on the climate agenda, on the green energy hypocrisy that we're seeing around there. Uh, and that's very obvious from the stories. But I think that it's worth examining not just from the uh, the global warming aspect to it, but just the lifestyle aspect and how the people that who are in positions of headship and leadership are in, inflicting on the uh, the plebeian swine who they claim to be in charge of mm. uh, these lifestyles that they are completely and wholly unwilling to live themselves. Uh, first story I want to touch on then it actually comes from Reason, which is kind of this. I used to read Reason a lot more, uh, but then they somehow went like far left-wing libertarian. It's this very odd sort of bent, uh, but they do have they're they're good, and I, I think they're fair uh, on the on the climate stuff. Uh, this one is written by Liz Wolf. Private jets to the climate conference. There was this was a few weeks ago. I, th I think it was COP twenty eight was the this climate conference that they had in Dubai, naturally, so they could all go there and uh, look at the man made islands. It looked like a giant palm tree. Go do some snowboarding in the middle of uh, hundred degree weather if it's indoors and all the accoutrements that are there. Uh, but if you read through here, it looked like the prime minister the foreign secretary and the king from the United Kingdom all arrived on separate private jets, mm. which, uh, you know. Do as I say, Steve. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> and you, and I mean, and just no self-awareness even when they're called out. They said, yeah. uh, the prime minister said, this government's approach to tackling climate change as we have set out repeatedly is not about banning or reducing people from flying. It is through investing in new technologies of the future as evidenced by the flight just yesterday using sustainable aviation fuel. Yeah, to get you and your cronies, like the 10 or 15 of you to Dubai to basically go on vacation. But yeah, it's not about not flying. I mean, come on. The rest of you, unless you're um, like completely morbidly obese and fly Southwest, you have to be crammed in like sardines. You know, as we touched on last time, <laughs> I'm in and, and these guys look, they're not American, but uh, they're certainly of the West. So I think that's it's relevant. And they were far from the only people who were flying to that conference privately. Um, and, and we see this continually every time that there is a, a climate conference or a World Economic Forum or whatever sort of global globalist uh, meeting that they're having, they all arrive and they, they eat at uh, these three-star Michelin restaurants and, mm -hmm. you know, they're having duck a l'orange and they're asking <laughs> you to eat the bugs. Uh, and and uh, it, it's, it's just gross and it's not limited to just the, the King of England. It's, it's obviously permeated throughout all of the, uh, the Western hemisphere or the Western world. Um, and, and in keeping with that, We'll, we'll move this similar theme again where it's there's a climate 
theme to it, but I, I think it's worth looking at um, in, into a lifestyle aspect to it. Uh, this was a reporting from Euronews. Uh, Davos from the World Economic Forum, one in 10 traveled by private jet to a meeting designed to tackle climate change. And obviously... Steve, have, have you ever traveled by private jet? Uh, when have I not? I took that cash Patel money, bro. Oh, that's right. Heard, <laughs> hey, right around this time last year, too. So you must have been wheeling and dealing all over the world. I mean, so you know, just just some of the facts and figures on what the emissions and and look, I roll my eyes anytime I see the word emissions now or carbon because essentially carbon is people and carbon dioxide is good for trees. So this this narrative that they're they're putting out there is it, just a head scratcher to me. I, I I just equate it to well, if you want to reduce carbon, you want to reduce people because people are made of it. So I think you're kind of a, a population extremist or a murderous vile. Uh, piece of de human debris and they're probably all of the above in fairness <laughs> <laughs> but how much did the private jet emissions increase during 2022 so this is a year prior the research commissioned by greenpeace so uh, they're obviously very concerned about this the co2 emissions equivalent to 350,000 average cars in the same time period the researchers attribute about every second flight to the meeting itself and at least every 10th participant at the meeting traveled by private jet. Um, it's this weird conference because it too, because it goes multiple days. The, it's not like you show up on Monday, everybody does, and they sit there every time all throughout all the days, and then they all just jet out on Friday. And so they will claim that, well, my duties and responsibilities as a senator or governor or a titan of industry dictated that I couldn't be there for the first few days. I'm just going to come in and fly in, jet set. Uh, experience uh, my speech or experience all the accoutrements that are there for a few hours and then head back to what I'm doing. But whether or not you're arriving and staying the entire time or you just come in and, and leave a few hours later, it's as far as I can tell, it's going to have the same amount of carbon emitted if you're taking that private jet. Uh, but if you scroll through here, of all the flights, 53% were short haul trips uh, below 750 kilometers, it says. This is again European. I, I don't, I'm from America. Kilometer is it like an inch, a mile? It, it, it's some amount of distance, right? Um, but they just kind of go through and work their way through here um, and and talk about the hypocrisy involved with it. it. Says the World Economic Forum states on its website that environmental threats continue to rank at the top of the global risks report. Um, that and sounds like quite the boogeyman. Environmental threats. Oh, they're coming to get you, much like a terroristic <laughs> threat. Um, what does it say though about that? Because it does seem on its face, very hypocritical. One in 10 uh, flew there on a private jet. I mean, and then they're going there to tell the world how we all need to be reduced. Our carbon, our, our footprint, it needs to go away. And oh, don't eat, don't eat red meat either. Don't eat beef because, you know, all of the noxious gas that they emit is something like Yes, we need to actually eliminate cows because their their burps and their farts are ruining the planet. Uh, but I'm telling you this when I flew in on my my G6, uh, <laughs> and and I paid for the offsets. So I, apparently, you can you can pay to get out of jail free here. That, oh, that's as, right, as, as they because, do because that's how the environment works. If you just you know pay a fee, then you know you can have the as large of a carbon footprint as you want. Um, you know, I was thinking with all of these world elites traveling uh for another world economic forum summit essentially uh wasn't our friend christopher ray uh oconus recently what was that about 
Yes, the the FBI Twitter page was posting that he flew to Malaysia and India and was having conversations with law enforcement and military partners there and Haitians. Mm. Uh, and obviously they were talking about China, according to them at least. But China. To, my, my question is, why is the head of a domestic law enforcement agency flying Oconus mm -hmm. outside the continental United States uh, for those who don't speak fluent government acronym, as Garrett and I do. Uh, what is the possible need to do that, especially when this this climate agenda is so high? Do they not have Zoom? Or actually, I guess Chinese own Zoom, so they couldn't probably <laughs> talk about the Chinese on a Zoom call. But you would think there would be other ways that they could have a virtual meeting in a secure environment uh, without having to subject us all to their their carbon emissions, which is obviously raising the temperature to a boiling point, which is why I had to wear a sweatshirt today when I went for my run down in Florida. So it's <laughs> definitely working. Um, on a trip like that, that Director A goes on, how many people do you think go with? Because I know typically they're taking the whole detail. They're taking a SWAT team. They're taking all his cronies and lackeys that carry uh, laptop cases and act like they're important doing things. Uh, it seems to me like it's... Um, it's just more fraud, waste, and abuse. But uh, what do you think about that? The entourage of of the director, it's this cult of, of, of entourage, of personality that surrounds him. And it surrounds, frankly, anybody who's an unknown government bureaucrat, but then all of a sudden is elevated and then has a protective detail. I think it's sort of unavoidable unless you have a really good spouse that kind of keeps you in check, which is why I think one of the biggest problems that we have for uh, Christopher Ray is that he, he left his family and Georgia as well. He took this assignment to Washington, D.C. And I understand maybe you have kids that are in school, maybe you like your church or something to that effect. But if you don't have that spouse there to keep you in line, I think that that ego is just going to go out of control because what folks don't understand is when Christopher Ray comes into an FBI field office, it's a, all hands have to be there. We all have to suit up. Obviously, the dress code is, is far more casual now than most people uh, understand from political uh, from pop culture uh you're not wearing a suit typically in the fbi anymore you just you can be business casual would be the most it would be but most people are wearing like cargo pants and a plaid shirt untucked but everybody's got to wear their suit you got to come in from the surrounding satellite offices even if it requires an overnight trip all hands are there and it's a completely secure facility because there's this fence line on the outside but he requires the SWAT team to meet him at the airport, provide him an escort where they time him getting into the gate, open and closing it so that he couldn't be delayed at the gate to the FBI, mm -hmm. come in and they are opening doors for him. So in, in my case, in the Omaha field office, they gave him the access to like the, the utility elevator because they didn't want him in the regular elevator because there could be threats there from people who all work in the FBI. There's no public access to this but this is the sort of environment that this this guy lives in and i think if if you do after a while it's, it's unavoidable but you get that uh like the rolling stones what's the gene uh what's his face <laughs> who like apparently walks into rooms and just says like diet coke and, yeah, and then because he's just provided you know, to him yeah. at all times and it's like uh, perfectly cooled like to the temperature he wants it at no uh no um condensation on the can like no no i mean it you know it's where you get these like weird contracts where it's like i want m&ms only green in my dressing room i mean because because you can and that's the and this guy's on a 10-year assignment so i think that you know he's more than halfway through it at this point uh, there's no question that uh, that that ego has 
has gone off the deep end and without a spouse, you know, like my, my wife to hit him in the back of the head, uh, to, to get him right. I, it's that that's where he feels like, well, of course I'm entitled. I can just fly to India with my people and my entourage. And there's no problem with that. I'm doing the good work of the FBI. I'll make sure that the intern who controls the Twitter account tells everybody that I had intense conversations and we get a photo op of me shaking hands with a few people. And, uh, that, that justifies my near Christmas time vacation. Yeah. You know, um, talking about having a, a spouse to kind of keep you in check on Sunday, there was a Twitter space, uh, Kyle and I both hopped in for, for, a, for a bit and somebody asked us about like our spouse or somehow we, we were talking about that. And, and I mentioned, um, how Heidi is, is really a Proverbs 31 type of woman. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, people can go, go look up Proverbs 31 and see what I mean. And then I also mentioned how the husband is commanded in the new Testament to love their wife as Christ loved the church. And when you take someone like a Christopher Ray, really, you know, analogous to a prince, he's a modern day prince. Um, you know, he's just a couple rungs below the king, as it were, you know, the president. And I think I think you're nailing it here about having that spouse to be your 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 helpmeet and to say, hey, you know, you're you're prideful, you're arrogant, you're being wicked, you're 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 being sinful. And that's part of the purpose of God's design for a marriage is that you have a best friend, that you have someone to speak with, someone to correct you when you're wrong. And I think that is a very important facet of, of what we see with a lot of these really, you know, arrogant, corrupt leaders like this who really do think, oh, I, the, my carbon footprint doesn't matter. And all the, the strap hangers who come on my jet that I pay the you know 150 dollar airfare for um then it's like well okay no wonder we have this sense of just prideful arrogance. well you know you talked about in the beginning the, the the other side they expect us to just be at their beck and call to be under their thumb to do whatever they want and then they literally have no one in their life or at least seemingly have no one in their life to kind of keep them in check you set this up perfectly. Uh, so talking about having a spouse and being a prince, this is what happens if you view yourself as a prince or a high society person, and maybe uh, maybe your spouse is along for the ride on that. Uh, so I, I want to take this to a video that sort of sums up the climate hypocrisy, but more the, the lifestyle hypocrisy. This is from a hearing uh, recently. This is my, actually my former congressman, I got redistricted to a different one. This is Mike Waltz questioning the, uh, the climate czar John Kerry, mm. former uh, candidate for president, former secretary of state, senator from Massachusetts. The ketchup uh, man, as I like to call him. <laughs> Mr. Hines. Uh, and this is him being asked about his his jet travel. We'll give this a play here. It's about two minutes. Uh, in, in exchange with Mr. Mills, you uh, just testified under oath that you never owned a private jet. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'd like to enter into the record uh, article here from February 15th of 2023. The, the John Kerry family private jet was sold shortly after accusations of climate hypocrisy. Uh, Mr. Secretary, do you stand by that testimony Not that sure. you've never I, owned or I personally, your family? I your family. personally, yes. My wife owned a plane and sold the you plane. You flew on that plane? Uh, not in a number of years, and, but I have flown on it, sure. This article is not then inaccurate that your family owned a plane, you flew on a plane. 
my wife, my wife, here's the, here's the issue. Yeah. This isn't some kind of partisan gotcha. When we are asking Americans to make serious sacrifices as we transition for the common good and your family and or yourself are flying around on private jets, that smacks of hypocrisy. It actually hurts your cause. Mr. Secretary, but I'll, I'll move on. But, I but want to know sir, from a record sir, standpoint. Afford me the, the right, at least, to set the record straight here. I do not fly on a private jet. Uh, I, do, I do not fly. I fly commercially. Have on you all on of a private jet since you've taken this position? Just, just let, me, let me just finish. I have flown five times in the last two and a half years on Millair, which you also fly on. Sure and or some of you who travel fly on five times otherwise all of my trips are commercial have airlines. you flown on a private jet in a personal or official capacity since you've taken this position possibly once oh. <laughs> <laughs> all possibly right teach you up teach you up brother you take oh, it and just even the answer possibly once bro you know if you flew on your wife's private jet at least possibly once while you've been in that position. Give me a break. And this is exactly what we're talking about with these evil princes. And and then also, he starts throwing his wife under the bus right away. Well, well, well my wife, she's the one who owns the private jet. It's not it's not my private jet. Like, like dude, even if that's the case, you, you don't throw your wife under the bus. Like, you own it and you say, yeah, you know, we are very wealthy. Thanks in part to my wife's uh being the heiress of the heinz fortune and yeah we do like just own it dude like like I, I, this is another thing i don't get about these political hacks these political allegedly leaders in our country have they ever heard of leadership capital like you're burning through so much leadership capital right there when you're trying to obfuscate and not answer frankly about if you've flown on your wife's private jet and throwing your wife under the bus and not just owning the fact that you guys are very wealthy and yet you're still enthroned into the buttresses of power in the political sphere when you when you have no reason to be other than you like the power and control. But then you get up here in this hearing and it's just like, wishy-washy answers not straightforward like you're just burning through leadership capital and it's like well no wonder i forget i don't know what the percentage is off the top of my head but i want to say it's around 10 percent of americans who approve of like how government operates and how they work and it's like this is a, an example of a hearing that's exactly why and you could put almost anybody in that seat you can put john Kerry in the seat you can put alejandro mayorkas in the seat you can put chris ray in the seat you can put uh um, Merrick Garland in the seat, like the list can go on and on and on and on and on. And it, it really reminds me of back when we testified, someone at my church told me once we, once we returned that they typically watch these hearings and they said, I was really struck by how you guys just answered the questions. Like we don't ever see that. And I was like, Oh, I never even, I didn't, I hadn't yet thought about it that way. And it's like, well, yeah, like, you know, even think when we're asked, have you accepted money from Cash Patel? We just were like, yes, because we did. Like, there's more to the story. I know you have your five minutes you want to get in, but the simple answer is yes. Not, oh, possibly I may have once while I was in the position of being a suspended FBI whistleblower. I perhaps maybe did at one point. I, uh, yeah. Ugh. 
it's so frustrating but i mean like that guy's been testifying and you know, been doing these hearings for years and he knows it's going to be incoming fire that's that's mike walt he's a republican from florida so it's obviously going to be an adversarial role there mm -hmm. but it, and they have probably a very unique circumstance in their marriage uh financially where they they probably didn't pool their assets right they probably yeah. are they file probably separate uh tax returns for for what she because she's so much more wealthy than he is yeah. but for him to, to to actually use that to his advantage and be like well i don't own a jet yeah and that's that's such a lawyerly oh, thing yeah. to to do and it's not authentic and like you said it's it it you lose all the capital that you're hoping to have there um but it's indicative of the fact that there and congressman waltz talked about it. i don't necessarily agree with his one word transition i think you know he's probably all on for we need to transition away from from oil uh, like I, I disagree with that but if, if nevertheless if that's what you're pushing for and that's the the, the course that you've charted in as a, in a position of leadership for the country itself but you yourself are not willing to actually make the sacrifices for the common good uh i don't think that uh that john Kerry's flown on too many jet blue flights in his life i think he would be uh didn't when he ran for president didn't wasn't he eating like escargot on his his campaign bus while he's oh, going through Iowa yeah. like would wouldn't do the uh wouldn't do the chicken sandwich at the uh -huh. uh, at yep. the convenience store yeah it's you know it's you know, that's I think that's another great aspect of uh these elites like I think of um during like peak lockdown of COVID and California was one of the worst because they're basically just a communist state at this point but Gavin Newsom and his lackeys were were photographed without masks on at uh, the French Laundry, very expensive restaurant. It's like, oh, so you, it's okay for you to go and have this restaurant open, even though they were supposed to be closed down. And it's okay for you to go and not wear your mask. And it's okay for you to go and stuff your face full of foie or whatever you're eating there. I'm probably not even saying that right. And it's like, <laughs> when you know that actually what they do to the goose to get that, oh, dude, yeah, yes. I, and I'm not, I'm not a PETA person. No, but no, no, no. no come mean, on, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you basically force this goose to be tortured its entire life so you can eat like it's fattened liver or neck or whatever, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, it's just horrible. But you, oh. you should eat bugs and uh, impossible burger and um, not cow because of, you know, green greenhouse gases or well, yeah i mean like tony stark now he's like a billionaire right even though he's a fictional character he's telling us that we need to have bug powder that's that, that's what we're supposed to have now i mean it's <laughs> this is they're all in on this they're not going to do it themselves um but it, 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 we can take this for for days but we'll, we'll get off the the climate thing here for uh for purposes of just brevity um it's not limited to that and and it's not just we expect you to uh, not own a vehicle and eat the bugs and then give us control of your thermostat because of the giant climate monster because we worship at the altar of Gaia. Uh, there's other administrative hurdles and bureaucratic nightmares that are being thrown out there. And if you're not really paying attention, it's kind of in the weeds. It sounds a little bit boring, but these are important things that people in positions of power that are going to be implementing in the not too distant future on all of us. And I think they're worth actually digging into a little bit, just, just for your own awareness, you can do some further research, um, which brings us to uh, our next story as we transition, Congressman Waltz. Uh, <laughs> this is actually from, from Yahoo Finance, and it's about Elizabeth Warren, who is, you know, she's always all about uh, restricting and regulating financial industry. And her giant concern is obviously cryptocurrency because 
the myth of, of crypto and blockchain is that it's being used for nefarious purposes because they can't track it. Whereas in reality, you can track every single transaction that's ever been done with cryptocurrency through the blockchain. But this is about Elizabeth Warren. It says, what is Warren's digital asset anti-money laundering act about? And she has actually gotten bipartisan agreement on this act where she's obviously going to push to further regulations on cryptocurrencies. And then I'm sure her daughter uh, will devise a scheme to have consulting and advisement on how to navigate the very regulations that her mother put into place, and she'll be paid millions of dollars by, I don't know, Goldman Sachs or something to that effect. Uh, but if you read through it, it says the bill that uh, Senator Warren wants to push through aims to enforce stricter reporting requirements, including extending the responsibilities out outlined by the Bank Secrecy Act. This would involve implementing know-your-customer requirements and filing reports on transactions involving unhosted wallets, among other measures, to bring the digital asset ecosystem into greater compliance and close, is it, it close existing loopholes. And I mean, I know a lot of people's like eyes gloss over when you're talking about crypto. I'm, I mean, I, I always use the comparison. It's probably pretty appropriate. I'm like the kid who took two or three years of high school Spanish on in Cancun for spring break. Like I understand like a word or so because I've done a little bit of research on it. So I'm, I'm out of my depth. Uh, tread water a little bit here though. What we have to understand is with, with this regulation, with these laws, they want to know who has the cryptocurrency, who you're transacting with. It's basically no different than them saying like, we want to know every dollar that you have in your bank account and who you're sending those dollars to. And when you put it into those sorts of terms, you're like, whoa, whoa, that's my money. I earned that money. I paid my taxes on that money. I should be able to buy what I want. Right, yeah, this is this is like another facet of just tyrannical government. That's what it boils down to. Uh, the advent of Bitcoin and crypto becoming a thing in the last, I don't know, decade or so, I suppose, is it's got the world powers to include our own and remember the alleged land of the free which is just such a laughable phrase at this point this is all this is about is control they're going to say well we want to stop criminals we want to stop car you know car cartels and drug dealers and gangs and and human traffickers they're going to use all these things the fear-mongering to say that's really why we're doing it but in reality that's a small fraction of society it's a, it's I'm sure criminal entities are using crypto to some degree. Uh, it, it helps them with their criminal enterprise. Sure. Okay. Uh, but there's so many people in the crypto world that are just doing it similar to like a, like a stock market or um, because they do think it's like the future. But this is the thing. Governments across the world are going to enact bills like this and they're going to, they're going to kill it. They're going to kill it dead in its tracks at least in the degree that you or I could have like an actual free market exchange with it. I, I do think, well, I mean, it's clear with the Biden administration, they've implemented or tried to, you know, are on the verge of implementing a government, you know, banking digital currency. And that's where it's going to head worldwide. And so crypto, like it's, yeah, my eyes kind of gloss over and I fully admit, I don't, entirely understand how it all works where it all comes from how you go mining for it and all that but what we do understand is when we see tyrannical government and this is this is exactly what that is right on its face i i see the parallel between what the government views cryptocurrency as with the way the government views guns 
and it is the assumption that it will be used for something bad. Yeah. So we're going to restrict it. I mean, anybody who's a Second Amendment advocate knows that guns don't kill people, people kill people. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. Right. No different than a dollar or a yen or a peso. But because the government wants to regulate guns, they regulate guns on the assumption that you shouldn't have it and you're going to use it for bad purposes. So the assumption is you're going to have this cryptocurrency and use it for bad purposes, so you shouldn't have it to begin with. So I, I think it's a, it's a similar mindset that goes into that. Um, and then and also when it comes to regulation, um, mm -hmm. regulation of crypto, and now you're going to find out that there is further regulation of individual businesses, which will take <laughs> us to our next, next piece here. Uh, this is Carol Roth. She's a, a former investment banker. She's she's written this book. I think it's uh, You Will Own Nothing. It's it's sort of in line with the World Economic Forum. I haven't read it yet. Uh, it's on my queue of books to pick up. Uh, she was interviewed uh, a few weeks ago by Glenn Beck, and this is in regards to, it's called Beneficial Ownership Information, B-O-I, uh, and it sounds pretty scary. This is about a two-minute clip. I think it's worth watching. Carol's really smart. Um, she kind of gives an explanation to Glenn about uh, about BOI, beneficial ownership information. Here we go. Cyber criminals to go after it. What is it's, it that they're collecting on you? So it's called BOI, beneficial ownership information. And so it's what you might think. It's your name. It's your address. It's all the names that you do business under. It's your government ID. So again, you, can, you, know, you don't need ID to vote, but to be a small business, apparently you need one. Um, so something like a driver's license or a passport. And they're going to associate all of that in this national database so that they can track who is doing business as a small business entity. And again, with so many, you know, up to 32 million small businesses in this country, the benefit of potentially tracking down a few money launderers, which we know they have one that they've done absolutely nothing about, versus the burden that this creates in terms of privacy. There's a fee, Glenn. Go, you know, surprise, surprise, know. $85, $85. And that is if you don't need to hire someone else to make sure you've done this the right way. And if, you, a, and if you don't do it exactly right, a massive fine is coming your way, right? So not only fine, but you could also go to jail. Like the, oh there is a, a jail penalty associated with not participating in this. You have to not only do it the one time, which they say the initial burden is three hours. So that's assuming that you know how to do this the right way. But thinking about, think about three hours and filling out a form for a small business. I mean, that sounds pretty invasive, right? I don't and have then, three hours a day. I don't right. have three hours to do stuff. That, you know? that keeps them away from revenue generating productive yes. activity on some nonsense here. And then, by the way, anytime something changes, it is up to you to make sure that you keep them informed. And again, if you don't do it in a certain period of time, See? well, oh, I forgot I moved. OK, well, now FinCEN is going to come out. Land of the free. What did I just say? Land of the free. Sure. Sure it is. Um, you know, after a clip like that, it's like, hey, you better get your suspendables merch immediately because we're, we're not going to have we're not going to have that entity going <laughs> forth. Because how do how do you comply with that type of tyranny? You know, I you yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll go back to Carol here. Why, why don't you actually tell folks uh, before you have to register your beneficial Stop. ownership information no for the uh, suspendables merch, yeah. um, and and it, it, at the risk of not having a five hundred dollar per day fine for not doing it. 
Right. Uh, why don't you uh, let us know what's, what's available right oh, now? It's, it's so ridiculous. But, yeah, um, in fairness, if you want to get a Suspendables T-shirt while you can, go to the-suspendables.com. And um, once they start hitting us with that $500 day fine, I guess we'll say see you later. But um, <laughs> there's uh, all sorts of stuff on there right now. I, I get uh, I get a little aggressive with the designs. I have even more in my back pocket that I want to put out there, but I just can't until some of these are uh, gone or closer to being gone. But we got the lapel pins. We got a couple hats left, new sticker pack, uh, the green and black hoodie. Some of those are available still. Um all sorts of stuff. Z special, the hold the line, last line, original shirts available in red for uh, firefighters and paramedics, EMTs in green for military folk and blue for law enforcement. And I would like to make this clear. I've done it before, maybe not on a podcast, but the whole last line strength, hold the line thing. This is not a, uh, as I'm sure any of you who've listened to us for any amount of time know, this isn't a blind following of first responders, military, law enforcement. Um, it's more of a, we will back you and hold the line if you uphold your oath. And I kind of get in the rabbit hole on on YouTube sometimes of some of these really bad law enforcement officers. And I know sometimes it's these these auditors who who do try to kind of get their goat. But if you're in law enforcement, like you, ha- that's why you have to know what you're doing. I, I watched a little bit of a deposition yesterday of an officer who made an illegal arrest and he couldn't even they the lawyer asked him he couldn't even tell you what the first amendment was and it's like this is this not just the fbi it's across the board and we have to we have to hold these institutions accountable and it's you're going to see it everywhere we're talking about it today the the fallibility of man is what this really comes down to and just the the tyrannical nature of our hearts and you know that's what i see in this this story with ms roth that's what i see and what we've talked about up until this point like the the government man that's that's a road paved to hell by good intentions for sure i don't even know if i give them the benefit of the doubt that it's good intentions i, I think yeah. it's intentionally Fair. burdensome Fair. Yeah. i mean there's there's no reason and and you can look at look i i, I try to go down the rabbit hole a little bit on this uh this voi i went over to the fincen website to try to find out about it actually uh my dad's an accountant he's a cpa and he he brought that to my attention because he has clients who he's going to have to work through this process with because there's like 23 exceptions to uh the reporting requirement on it uh so you have to go to them and the actual interface the the website to register if you are going to do it which you're going to be by law required to do uh isn't even established yet and in, in january 1 it by the end of the year you have to be registered so you have 12 months to do it uh, but if you even just click through like this PDF, this frequently asked questions portion, so it's not too down in the weeds of it. It says like, who has to report? Companies required to report are called reporting companies. Thanks you, federal government, for yeah. this clarity. <laughs> um, reporting companies may have to obtain information from their beneficial owners and report that information to FinCEN. Your company may be a reporting company and need to report information if you're a corporation a limited liability company or was otherwise created in the United States. Okay. So every single one, (laughs) like (laughs) just say that, just say that, you know, like, you know, even think of that while, while you were playing the clip, I thought of what being a business owner in America used to look like. It used to mean I'm going to hang a sign outside my door that says seamstress or butcher or uh, shoemaker or uh, apparel designer or whatever you wanted. And the market 
would eventually dictate if you were good enough to stay in business. And like, I'm not saying get rid of every single regulation on businesses out there because I know there are some bad actors. Like I'm not a complete abolitionist, although I'm probably pretty close. Um, like if I hire you to be my plumber and you screw things up, like that's a, on me too. Like I need to do my due diligence to hire the good plumber or whatever. Or do it myself. And, and there's a, enough YouTube videos out there where you can. But being a business owner in America, it used to be the land of the free. Because you could just say, hey, you know what? I have this skill. I'm going to market this skill. And now it's, no, just comply. Submit to the government. If you were ever, if you're a business and you were created in the United States, well, then you have to you have to um, submit to our tyranny. And it's, it's beyond just like the actual tyrannical nature of having to comply with these just these edicts and these demands for information that they're ultimately not entitled to have. Uh, there's smaller ways that even though you might not own a business, you're going to suffer the consequences of that. Like Glenn right. Beck talked about, he says, I don't have three hours to do that. I mean, exactly. how much do you think Glenn Beck, if you were going to pay him to come and address your group uh, for a paid speaking engagement, you're like, Glenn, we need you for three hours. Do, do you think that would cost a uh, half a million dollars? I That's bet, what, how much yeah. his time is worth. Right. Right. And, I can guarantee this guys like Glenn Beck pay people to figure out how they don't have to pay that cost uh, because they build in that cost to the products that they, they push on to all of us, uh, which is how we're all suffering because, you know, the, the administrative burdens that are on business uh, are borne by the consumers. They pass those costs along to the people that are buying the products. Uh, and then how do we respond to that? Uh, and which brings us to transition us to uh, another story, I think. Uh, and these are going to be the, the societal impacts that we're experiencing as a result of the tyranny uh, that is coming from the top by people who are expecting you to live a life that they themselves are unwilling to live. Uh, and then they're not afraid to actually get into your business and get information from you uh, because they want it. And then also to make you suffer because we make the process, the punishment on you. Um, so a few, few stories here we want to cover. Actually, New York Post has been really good about these, so uh, I'm, I'm not a die-in-the-wool New York Post read-it-every-single-day person, but I do have three stories from them and then one from another source. Uh, but we want to touch on this. Gen Z, uh, so uh, you're a millennial, I'm a millennial, so the generation following us, is scamming companies out of billions each year with staggering rates of friendly mm. fraud. Uh I, I haven't done this, but uh, maybe people in the chat uh, are something that they, they're aware of. Essentially, you buy a product and then say it, you know you didn't order it uh, or it was never delivered, even though you're content with the, the product, and then you're reimbursed uh, by your bank because it's just too expensive for them to go about an investigation for some widget that you bought on Amazon. Uh, the, the, according to the article, the research found that 42% of those age 26 and younger admitted to filing a fraud claim. Wow. Almost half already. <laughs> they were willing to admit it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to admit that you, 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 there's probably a person who's willing to commit fraud might not, not be willing to be honest about it. Right, right. <laughs> so it's probably like 68%, you know. And then, again, downstream effects of that. Because this is going on, that's going to be built into the price because the company's right. not going to no, no, bear that expense. It yeah. It's going to be passed on to all of us. So, you know, that's why you'll see, we'll be, we'll, I'm sure blame it on Biden inflation, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a lot of us doing it to us. We're all, yep. this is one of these things where we're kind of all in it together, even though this is a, uh, you know, private enterprise and this is people who are engaging in, in free exchange of, of currency for a product that they want, need and desire. 
Uh, but because this is a global economy now, we're all going to feel the consequences of people who are trying to uh, trying to game the system, um, and and especially from people who are you would think are going to be internet savvy and tech savvy. Those are going to be the Gen Z, even more so than you and me. Right. Uh, I think we're probably more old soul, gray beard millennials, especially when it comes to technology. We're we're loath to do it, unlike uh, some of our counterparts in the suspendables. Uh, but definitely Gen Z people uh, who are They've grown up with a smartphone in their hand. Uh, mm -hmm. They have figured out all the hacks that are, and and then as a result of that, all the way up to even the, the last remaining boomers uh, are going to have to to pay higher cost as a result of it. Right. So, I think too, like if you think of just the last three stories we've covered, you've got this one. For me, I, I guess in my mind, it kind of ties them all together. So let's go back to the crypto story for a moment, and then to um, Glenn Beck and, and his guest, Ms. Roth, Carol Roth, I believe. And then uh, this one with these fraudsters. What is all this, this story right here? You got 42% of Gen Zers willing to admit that they commit committed in this type of fraud. This is, this is a, this is criminal, by the way. Um, like when you were a cop, how many times do you get, get a, a fraud, a, a fraud case, you know, or call where it's like, Hey, you got to try to figure this out now. And now you have all these people willingly engaging in it. This is only going to lead to more government intervention because the government's going to say, Hey, we can't let all these people get away with this fraud. So we have to, you know, we have to do something. So we're going to just make more laws and more regulations to just further control what you do and further uh, our ability to see what you are doing. And it's like this, I mean, really it goes to just simple honesty. Like, yeah, we get it. Times are tough, but um, that doesn't mean you can go commit fraud against your neighbor, you know? And and this, it might also be happening because of other factors that are at play here. Like if, if you are a, a belief of you're a climate change person who is all into that belief and you think that like the world's going to end in eight years, whatever the number they keep punting down the line is, it's like, well, and you, and you have a God-shaped hole in your heart. You think like this is it this is as good as it's gonna get yep uh, then what's the harm in going out uh, and just scamming these companies because there's no consequences we're all going to be taking a dirt nap mm -hmm. here in the next uh, couple uh, not even a decade anyway so i might as well get uh some i don't know cheaper my pillows or something <laughs> like that to that effect um and, and in keeping with that this is sort of the mindset that's crept into gen z so we'll have two more stories about gen z that i think are just uh, just blew my mind uh, when I saw them. Um, the first, Gen Z, more afraid of the world than previous generations, even though it's safer than ever, which I think is probably consistent with a global warming mindset that, that you think the world's going to end. And there's there's been lots of books that are written where times have never been better, obviously. I mean, you can drive or you can fly at 600 miles an hour and get on the internet and uh, stream a movie. Like, it, we have it pretty pretty freaking good. Oh yeah. Uh, and, uh, and yet despite that academic researchers base their findings on 50 verbal interviews, uh, were risk factors that have led to the current mental health crisis in young people from mass shootings to social media were examined despite risk analysis, research demonstrating that we live in one of the safest times ever. Gen Z experiences a disparity in risk assessments from their older counterparts, essentially having the perception that risk is everywhere they turn. <laughs> and I mean, a large part of that is because they get sent to government indoctrination camps from the time they're like four until the time they're like 21. 
and then they're released out into the world. And the whole time they've been filled with this nonsense that there's a boogeyman around every corner. It's white supremacy. It's the climate. It's eating beef. It's uh, someone who loves America and has a Gadsden flag hanging in their garage gym. It, you know, like you can point to all sorts of different things where it's like where their fear has literally been stoked by the government and by the powers that be who told a line with the government their entire life. And that's just in America. Let's go globally. Like, no wonder, no wonder it's, it's at this peak level. We've broken the kids at this point. I, I, I really firmly believe that it, mm -hmm. there's, there's no other explanation for that. Um, and, and like you said, it's, it's happened from the air education. It's happened from this indoctrination that we're experiencing outside of schools, just through pop culture. I mean, how many end of the world movies are we going to see that are, are just not defying, you know, you don't check your, your, uh, acceptance of reality like you know an alien invasion or something like that i mean it's we had uh the day after tomorrow where it was like well global warming caused a uh, a giant tidal wave to then just freeze new york city and that's going to happen within the next few years according to elected officials we have people in congress yeah. who say that we're not going to make it to like 2030 right. and they're taken seriously yeah and it's like you're you should you're a laughing stock and you should be laughed out of office for you that. should it, or at this point it's it's abusive to your pop to your constituents to the american people at large this is an utter failure of leadership you're supposed to be you know at the wheel here and uh i'm not saying you have to just be a cheerleader and say everything's gonna be great but you at least have to be honest but obviously fear has led to electoral consequences for a lot of people and and they just want to go back to that well more and more but again downstream effects societal impacts when you do that another gen z article here gen z suffers from menu anxiety when dining out <laughs> with many too scared to order their own meal oh man so you have four small children i assume you if you go out i mean which is probably not too often these days um you probably still order for your girls right yeah it's very rare that we go out but um we you know we ask them what they want and then when the waitress comes we say okay you tell her what you wanted you know and we try to get the older well obviously not lucy you know she's just making noises still but uh the other three are able to do it and you know maybe a you know iris and Paige, especially a little more bashful but we still say like you order you know it's a learning experience no matter what how to be out and about and socialize with strangers in a very appropriate way i mean obviously you have to engage in commerce if you're going to be a functional adult at one point in time uh, but if you read through here it it's just madness. It says they, this is over 2000 people who are asked. So it's not a small yeah. sample. I mean, that's a good enough size to get an accurate assessment. 86% of gen generation Z admitted they have suffered from menu anxiety. 86. But 67% of all respondents, so two out of three said they suffered from menu anxiety, which I, I really got to be honest. I don't know what menu yeah, anxiety what might mean. It's like, mean? Yeah, like if, you know, if first date, man, if I took my, my now wife, then it was her first day. I took her to a really expensive restaurant and I made 16 bucks an hour. Like I was sweating on the inside. I had menu anxiety when yeah. she was going to order, but yeah. how do you define it? But he, here's to me the just the ultimate. Some of these young adults, 34%, so one in three of the Gen Z people reported feeling so anxious, they wound up asking other people at the table to speak to the waiter on their behalf. Wow. Wow. Can I text you my order instead? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a laugh line, 
but this is a serious yes. problem. Yes. We we can't communicate. If so, if if you can't communicate, you're not going to be able to actually step up to the plate and confront your dear leader when they say you will eat the bugs and be happy about it. Uh -huh. You're just going to have the anxiety to just put your head down, or you're going to register your company because they they told me to do it, and I don't want to feel uncomfortable and push back and say you don't have the right to know that information from me. And this is all downstream of people who are in positions of authority and power in the country have built this system, and we are all on the wrong side of the tracks as a result of that. And it's a system that they themselves are unwilling to live in because they think they are going to be on high and they're going to lord over us all because they have superior intellect or, or whatever it is, their assumption, they are the greatest amongst us and, and therefore entitled to, to, to lord over us. And uh, I, I think... There, it, there's there's a couple more things here uh, we want to get to, um, and they're a little bit of a little more serious nature. Obviously, we can make fun of the Gen Zers all day. I'm I'm just glad we're not making fun of millennials anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we can get uh, off. We can step off that one. Yeah. Um, but here's actually another real world consequence that we're seeing, um, and this is uh, we're gonna leave the blaze, uh, leave the New York Post. And we'll go to the Blaze for this one, and it's about homelessness. Homelessness in the U.S. hits all time high after 12% increase in just one year. And there's a lot of factors that are at play with homelessness, obviously mental disease and addiction. Uh, I know that uh, our veteran community is, is, has had tremendous problems with it. Um, but uh, I, I think that there's, there's a point in here where they talk about families. Uh, let me scroll to it. Uh, Homelessness among families who have children saw the greatest increase at 15.5%, while homeless veterans increased by 7.4%. More than half of those who are homeless reported living in just four states, California, Florida, New York, and Washington. It just families, man, just mm -hmm. with kids. And you've been in that situation. Obviously, it wasn't, uh, it was an atypical homeless situation. Yeah. Uh, but having been there and sort of have, walk that path here you have a, a reaction to share yeah i mean it's my reaction i guess is it, it is more personal because i think of what what the fbi tried to do to me and my family and the malice that they used to do it um but it, it's a shame homelessness you know as a cop i'm sure you dealt with homeless people a lot i know i did and you know i, I would say this this city i worked for wasn't you know, was relatively affluent, but we had a, they still, they still have a homeless problem. Like they hang out down by the river, they get drunk. Um, and it's, it's sad, you know, it, it makes me sad because I think of humans and every human is an image bearer of God. And I struggle sometimes with, with probably loving them as I should, or treating them as I should, as, you know, I, especially I think, you know, as a cop getting called for some homeless problem and they're drunk or high and, or they smell bad or whatever, but it's, uh, yeah, it's in America, you know, I, I think too, of how much, how many billions of dollars we spend in aid to other countries. And it's like, man, we got plenty of problems of our own right here. And that homelessness shouldn't be on the rise like this. And there's a lot of factors that go into it. Men, mental health, you know, addiction, it, you, you name them that they're, they're there. And then, you know, in my, in my scenario, it's, it's tyrannical government again, trying to, as, uh, as the 
the last whistleblower we know of said the Sean Clark, the supervisor said, we're going to F the mother effer and his family for what it's worth. But um, yeah, it's even when you're put in that situation and I know ours was different, but you immediately think like, okay, what, what now to avoid this situation, to dig out of it. Uh, even if, if, even if you were wronged, you know, like it's, still the responsibility is on you to take care of yourself, to take care of your family, to be a productive member of society, instead of to essentially just give in to the to the enemy. And I know it's easy to sit here and say those things. Um, and sometimes, and depending on the person, it's harder in practice, but it's on us. And yeah, you have, it's, it's good when you have a community of friends and family to, to help. Um, or to try to help lift you up and, and, and get you back on your feet. But yeah, it's just, it's sad for me. It's sad for me to see that, that homelessness is at this level in this country. There's always a stigma. I think uh, we all sort of have this understanding of what is the homeless person, especially if you work in law enforcement. I know you, you probably, you know, that smell that, yeah. that it, it's just unique. You just, uh -huh. that's a homeless person smell. Yep. You've had them in your in your patrol car. You, you've had to inter interact with them more so than than the than the layperson does. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's sort of the idea that we all have in our head, uh, and it's not like that now. There's a growing number of people who are doing things the right way, um, and they're following the the path that's been advertised to them is is the way that they have to go and and be a productive member of society. And they've done all that, and right. still because of this ruling elite has put this railroad track between them and the rest of us. We, they're struggling in their, on, on a, you would think on a course that's going to set them up for success, which is, I think, uh, want to bring up our last video here. And this is something that went viral, um, a little ways back, uh, late November, I think it was around Thanksgiving time. Uh, and last I saw it was over 2 million people had seen this video from this woman. Um, I don't know her. I, she might be making it up. I got to be honest, though, as a trained investigator, um, I, I think that uh, think she's speaking the truth. Uh, it's a little lengthy, but I, I do think that it's worth listening to her for uh, for a few minutes here. Um, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll give this a play and just give you an idea of how the uh, the other half are, is now expanded to most of us. I don't I don't know why I'm making this video, but. Like, I feel like my husband and I are doing everything right. We both have good jobs. I'm a nurse. I'm a registered nurse. I work full-time. He works full-time. We just got paid this past Friday, right? We paid the mortgage. Bought some groceries. Put some gas in the car. And guys, it is Tuesday, and we have like two or three hundred dollars to last us until next Friday. Like, we don't live in a big house. We we live in a little, just a little ranch. It's eleven hundred square feet, three bedrooms, one bath. Us and our two kids, and like. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm in school full time. I work full time. 
He works more than full-time. He works overtime every week. I don't know what to do. I'm so stressed out. <laughs> this isn't how it's supposed to be. You know, growing up, we were told, you know, go to college, get a degree, work to support your family. Here we are. Did that. Now what? Now what? I think that's about all I can take for now. Um, just absolutely devastating. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, man. It's heartbreaking to to hear that and to see that. And she's right. It's not supposed to be this way. And I know I said last time, I don't know where I'll always stick these in. I, I It popped in my mind when you're playing the clip of John Kerry. And I think it's relevant here. And I think it's relevant for the entire episode so far. It comes from Proverbs 8, starting in verse 13 through 16. It says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. And it's really those last two verses, I think, that that ring truest for me in this episode. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. This is where we are in America, that our nobles are not ruling justly. Our kings are not reigning justly. And you have someone like that. She's on the she's on the verge, man. She's on the verge. And um, as a cop, I, I know that you've dealt with suicidal subjects before, um, you know, emergency detentions, things of that nature. I know our situations, although similar as whistleblowers, are a little different, but I imagine that you've gone to some dark places, as have I, and this is because of unjust rulers is what it boils down to. And of course, a sinful fallen world plays a huge role too, but it's devastating to watch her say those things and to hear that, especially heading in to Christmas where your goal and you just want to make things a little bit better, a little bit nicer this time of year. And I don't know, for me, I just point to these unjust rulers. They're not decreeing what is just. They're not ruling in a just way. And they are forsaking God's divine institution of government when they go against what God wants. That first verse says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil he hates. And all we get, all we see from our quote-unquote leaders is prideful, arrogant, perverted speech and telling you that you are wrong. Man, it really, it really gets me, dude. You know, it, it just seems like overwhelming for, and you know, I, like you said, we've been in this situation, uh, both of us for over a year now. And clearly she's, she's in the middle of it now herself. Um, and you don't know what, what choices everybody makes uh, to get themselves in the situation that they're in. Uh, and it's easy to assign blame to just this innocuous person uh, from a capital on high. But in the time that we live, in the era we live where we have this access to these people and they are not afraid to just say the things that they do, like your John Kerry's, mm -hmm. um, it, I think it gets a little bit easier to assign that blame. But look, blaming John Kerry is not going to pull her out of that situation. 
Um, and unfortunately, I don't, I don't feel like I have the answers that I could just be like, aha, here, I fixed your problem. Sure. Uh, I, you know, I, th I think there's some, some best practices here. And then and the number one is, you know, it's, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. You got to do the little things that you can to make your circumstances better. Uh, certainly you can't outsource your citizenship and just say, well, I'm just going to vote for a different candidate for office and everything will get better as a result of that. Um, that that's a fool's errand. It, first of all, it doesn't happen often enough. We, we don't have snap elections in this country where you can just install somebody at any given time and they will fix your life. And they're not interested in doing that anyway, and they shouldn't. It's it's always a local level. It's it's painting the fence in your own backyard, yep. uh, interacting with the people at the, at the local level here, and that and getting involved with your church. I mean, and, and we can all sort of lean on each other um, because we're going to be the solution to our own problem. It's never going to come from from the distant capital. It's the it's actually in keeping with the Reagan quote of the nine most fearful words are, <laughs> "I'm from the government and I'm here to help." Yeah. Um, obviously, the organization that wants you to report who owns your business to them and says that you can't uh, have any Bitcoin because that's a problem for them. Um, and you know, obviously, as long as you fly privately on your jet with some sort of weird non-gasoline that they claim um, is good for the planet, uh, then you'll be just fine. That's that's not going to be uh, feasible for, I think, those of us on, on the other half who live on the wrong side of the tracks. So it's a little bit of a somber note to, to get us off this week, uh, but we're, we just are not going to always uh, be, be the cheerleaders here. We just want to be the truth tellers. Um, before we close it out, I want to make sure we remind everybody, um, thank everybody for sticking with us. I know there were some tech issues with Rumble earlier before, but if you're with us, uh, make sure you give us a like and a thumbs up and a follow there. Uh, we still have the, uh, the, the, we're streaming audio only on iHeart, on Spotify, on iTunes. If you are inclined to, to listen to the podcast as I am, I, I actually like those a little bit better. I don't like watching myself. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so Likewise. you can go there. Give us a, a five-star review there. Subscribe. It'll help us grow. Give us a review. Um, and we're going to um, close it here. Just look over the horizon. Tomorrow night, want to make sure everybody's tracking, looking at doing a Twitter space with uh, Siaka Masakwai and the Suspendables. Uh, and that's going to be at 6 Eastern on X. And then Thursday, we've invited Steve Baker, who had an update to his case where he didn't actually go into custody, but being experienced FBI agents, I think we're going to ask him some different questions than he's been asked by other people in media. So he'll be with us on Thursday. And then also I put it in the chat earlier. You can go to my truth social uh, account and I put up a poll uh, and we're going to talk about that on Saturday because there's always demand for movie references. The question is which Will Smith movie is the, uh, the ultimate fate for the United States. Is it I robot? I am legend, enemy of the state, or Independence Day for each of their obvious reasons. So make sure you participate in that. Uh, so we get our poll results, and Garrett and I can uh, dig into that some more for the Saturday episode. Garrett, any closing remarks for us? No, no. I think what I said last that that about that took it out of me, to be honest. And yeah, we don't we don't like we don't like to end on a somber note. But like you said, we got to bring the truth, and sometimes uh, the truth can be somber, you know. And uh, in this case, it is what it is, but, uh, I know for me, we can still point to Christ and tis the season for the season after all, or tis the reason for the season. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to Saturday though. I know we got Steve coming Thursday, but yeah, get, go answer that poll. We'll have a little fun on Saturday with the, the, the movie stuff. 
Well, I'll close it with this. I am glad to be on the other half with GOB Actual at GOB Actual. Uh, and I'm glad to be with everybody in the chat and everybody who's a member of the of the AMRAD podcast audience. Uh, we'll see you on Thursday. Enjoy your day, folks. You've been listening to the voice of the Suspendables on the American Radicals podcast. Follow us on rumble.com slash AMRADPOD.